0: We are doing it again. We're doing it again. Welcome back to Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name is Nathan. My name's David. And we will probably, no guarantees, but almost certainly <laughs> be talking about George Jackson's <laughs> blood in my eye. But uh, before we do that, oh man, did some stuff happen in the intervening week since me and David have recorded? And as a result, we are going to get you caught up on those things as we are want to do. And we're going yes. to do that in a little
1: segment we call Current Events. Current events, because weeks where decades happen, or something. Yeah, one of those. Something. something <laughs> some. Some smart guy said that. One of them. Some smart guy. I don't know. Maybe we should read some books he wrote. Yeah. Um. Yes. So first and foremost, um, probably probably the the first one in the timeline, and definitely the the one that hits closest to home. Um. There was a leak from a Supreme Court document. Basically, there was a a decision you know republicans have been trying to, to tear up roe v wade since the dawn of time and when you have a and and nathan has been a a big warrior for this right the supreme court is not a progressive institution it never has been the idea that it got that reputation from like two or three decisions when it was supposed to be you know constitutional interpretation bullshit you know and the, oh the slaveholder document says that you get this freedom or whatever um That mostly centered around the 14th amendment, by the way, which was the amendment that, that, you know, one of the two amendments that abolished slavery, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so it had more to do with that <laughs> than the Supreme Court being a reactionary or, or progressive institution. This incredibly reactionary, unelected, life-appointment institution of old, crotchety, capitalism-loving assholes uh, actually made, you know, a good ruling back in the 70s, and Republicans were going to tear it up, and Democrats were never defending it, right? They take a lot of credit for, you know, just like Civil Rights Bill came out from, you know, MLK's fights and most especially from riots that happened after MLK's assassination um, and the broad, you know, civil rights movement um, and Democrats took credit for that. The New Deal was coping to stop, you know, Things falling into the hands of socialism in the country um, during World War II, um, Democrats actually signed that 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 one of their own volition, but they did that again to prevent left movement, and they get big credit for that. Um, the Supreme Court, because they were the ones less you know determinately ravaging uh, abortion rights in the state, the Supreme Court makes a ruling, and Democrats get credit as the defenders of that, although they've done nothing to defend it and they all act like you know anything from the Hyde amendment to that's just not how you do politics has stopped them from doing it um same thing with gay marriage right like i mean democrats Mm -hmm. have, have been a little more vocal about gay rights but they really hadn't signed much of anything into law and they haven't done much to defend gay marriage um and again the supreme court stumbled into a ruling that legalized gay marriage democrats take credit as the big defenders, I haven't done much to defend it, and now that's on the docket, because it's based on the same, it was based, Roe v. Wade, not only was abortion rights, but decisions like gay marriage came off of that as a precedent, right? And there's stuff on the table for, you know, gay marriage, there's stuff on the table for um, anti-miscegenation laws, uh, you have to suddenly be worried about um, anti-sodomy laws, but basically it's leaked that a decision that should be coming out in, what, late June, June. early July, yeah. Um, is going to be a decision that overturns Roe v. Wade. It just, you know, and and that leaking got to the public. People were rightly outraged, right? Uh, and it happens right before Mother's Day, obviously, a pretty opportune time to demonstrate uh, against scaling back women's rights and women's autonomy and women's health care specifically. Um, and so that's, that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, uh, while that's happening, of course, you know, Republicans are like left crazy, you know, Antifa terrorist, blah, terrorizing and, and it's so, you know, this mob mentality or whatever the fuck Turtle Man says, bullshit. Um, trying to lambast people for standing up for something. 70% of the country, you know, agrees with abortion rights and five unelected people out of Out of nine go, yeah, changed our mind. And a bunch of of politicians who have the majority for the party that supposedly supports it are like, woo, we're helpless. And all of a sudden this democracy shows once again how incredibly undemocratic it is and how much it doesn't do the will for the people. And uh, people like standing up for themselves, as mob mentality, like, fuck you guys. Uh, but meanwhile, Democrats are lecturing people on how to protest and not to do it in people's houses and not to be violent and blah, blah, blah. Uh, this Democratic president who um, was part of some decisions that led to the ability for states to rip up. Let's face it. Before this ruling, states have been ripping up abortion rights, especially red states, for a oh, while. Oh, yeah. They've, right. been,
0: they've been going hard at it for, for years now.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this is nothing new. Of course, there was the terrorism in the the '80s with the, the assassinations of the doctors and the bomb clinics and things like that as well, um, which makes this whole mob mentality idea, this don't scare or, or protest at the Supreme Court um, members' houses, all the more bullshit. Yeah, um, and this Democratic president all of a sudden has barricades up around the Supreme Court. It's like that's that's how you know you're serving the will of the people when you have to do that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Um, so that's all happening. Now, everything that's been gained supposedly through the Supreme Court, again, a reactionary institution that was never secured through the democratic means that are supposed to secure it are on the table. Democratic majorities in the House and the Senate and the White House – Are so helpless or whatever the fuck. Um, People are trying to take power back in their hands, and immediately, almost immediately, right? People, people can't get COVID funding. People can't codify Roe v. Wade into law. People can't codify trans rights into law. People can't push back on these, you know, don't say gay bills and the push by these red states to basically attack gay and trans teachers and and parents i mean we talked about you know the 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 child abuse if if you support your trans kid law in texas and and shell like and i can't push back against desantis and abbott but oh my god they can scramble in a couple of days because they see people protesting at like alito's house and make it elite like pass an explicit law that protesting at the supreme court's house uh can basically get you arrested right As as some form of treason Just horrendous stuff. Um, And again, at the same time, you know, COVID is shooting back up, and Democrats are still, oh, we're past COVID, we're in post-COVID, blah blah blah. And hospitals, you know, can't can't keep up with supplies again because people are starting to be hospitalized for COVID. And people are realizing the numbers are scaling up because it's affecting healthcare again and nurses can't, can't take it, right? They're, they're striking and, and can't take it. And as it's becoming prominent, people have already mentally moved on because they're getting a, a bipartisan message. Because again, bipartisan is always the most reactionary thing, but people think it's the most immutable truth. Right, they're getting this bipartisan message that COVID so over, and so the Democrats are trying to find testing funding again. They seem to let everything lapse, right? Um, you know, notice COVID numbers went up and, and inflation went up when they support you know the the, the, the uh, um, payouts for COVID, which were already lacking. Right, always still sent people back to work, but at least we're helping a little bit. Went away, and all of a sudden, bang, we had you know inflation. Right, we're we're in dire inflation. Also, that's that's egged on by the the um, war in Ukraine and the the U.S. sanctions against Russia. Um, but again, you know that's that's the only we can't seem to get funding for that. But oh my God, they can immediately make it illegal to protest. Uh, at the the house of someone on the Supreme Court and actually make them be mildly discomforted. You're supposed to go to the court where they feel protected and they have the barricades up and they can whip you at DC police. Don't surprise them by like doing the obvious simple thing by mildly annoying people into being scared <laughs> and doing the right thing. That's actually democratic. Um, and also of course, you know, lickety split um, signed in a lend lease, right? Which is named similarly to the US program in, World War II, where they gave weapons to to Great Britain and the Soviet Union to defeat the Nazis, but this time, you know, for the the, um, Ukrainian Nazis. Um, And really, in spite of the similar name, it's a little more Putting into codified law that this idea of making Ukraine Afghanistan 2.0 is definitely happening, but the US is going to make sure that it doesn't screw up and let it fall to the Taliban. And they're going to take ownership, you know, make it a US outpost, kind of like the way there's most US military bases in Germany or something along the lines of Guam or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very scary stuff. So just rapid, world changing, horrendous. Uh, bipartisan bills that one is warmongering and one is just, you know, attacking people for wanting any kind of democratic means, um, whatsoever for a policy that, again, 70% of the country supports and is about to be scaled back and puts in danger several other rulings that the Democratic Party is supposed to stand for and seems to not defend. Meanwhile, of course, Democrats are out there we need a strong Republican Party, we need a strong Republican Party, blah, 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 right? They can always talk about a strong Republican Party, but they can never do anything or say, we need a strong left or socialist or whatever. And, of course, there's an anti-abortion Democratic moderate candidate going against a progressive in Texas. Two days after this leaks, before the protests really scale up to the Supreme Court justices' houses, um, the Democrats were not making a big stir about it. They were out campaigning, for this anti-abortion democrat in texas right because again they don't give a shit they're not the defenders of the people they're not left they're full of shit um and all of this probably the most striking thing at home and nobody's talking about it we are in the middle of a not just a general supply shortage but very specifically a baby formula shortage yes Um, that's huge right now yeah you're right and I I just I mean I've just started seeing people talk about it the last couple days um, yeah, but it's been going on. I mean, here in Missouri, it's, it's already an issue, right? I mean, yeah. we're one of five states, but it's not a state by state thing. People try to say the red state, blue state. It's not a state by state thing, right? No. It's just where the supplies are. It's not like all red states don't have formula and all blue states do. But again, if red states don't have formula and then are forcing abortions and none of this is, is new or, or hinging on the Supreme Court ruling, it's just happening at the exact same time, that's a huge problem, right? But yeah. no one, no one can get, funding out for to make sure that families are supplied with formula whether it's making sure the stock is is filled in and of course if the US did that it would just be some way to pillage the global south um but you know there's no centralized planned economy that can you know rally to make formula um there's no um there's no funding there for people to buy formula as well as the stock lacking and so underfunded poor parents are going to watch i mean babies are going to die it, it just there, there's no way to I, i'm sorry it's stark but people die i mean we've we've talked about warfare here we've talked about um, you know the starving in sudan which is is getting worse again you know there's food shortages there sri lanka is basically burning down cuz the entire country is out of food uh, you know inflation is rapidly happening Everywhere and 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 so we talk about you know people dying, tragic things here, right? Because we have to. This is a real world. We're engaging in politics, and politics is basically we've talked about it before. Politics is who gets to live and die and how well do they get to live, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? How much power do they get to have? That is what politics is. It is no simpler or more complex than that. Its details are widely complex. You can talk about democracies. You can tie it to economics. You should definitely tie it to economics. You can talk about world relations and how those things work. You can talk about the history behind them. Those are all important things to talk about in politics, and the details are complex. But very simply, politics are not about freedom or democracy or the great ideals or good guys and bad guys or any of that shit politics are about who lives who dies how how do the people who get to live get to live and how much power do they have that's it that that's the long and short of it that's politics and right now right there's you know abortion rights are getting scaled back so women's health care is getting destroyed People are, and we know poverty, 140 million people are, are on the brink of poverty in the United States, right? Either a little bit above, a little bit below, or far below the poverty line. Um, we know inflation is, is scaling up. We know, of course, we're talking about, you know, this being something that's going to scale back gay marriage and, and, and anti-miscegenation, anti-sodomy laws and things like that. There's already stuff on the docket. because there's states, you know, looking to ban plan B, which is just a high dose birth control. Mm-hmm. That's um and and IUDs right yeah. IUDs I mean again here in Missouri we're we're dealing with that um and and so you're gonna see you know people were immediately like oh you know they're gonna want to make people birth babies because they're they have these these worker shortages because they killed everyone with COVID well that's right but but abortion bans don't stop abortions or raise population that's been proven time and time again right but lack of birth control does and when you scale back the abortions and you tie it to it again this has always been tied this goes back to fucking creationism shit it's the same groups and a lot of people aren't conscious of it but you see that as the layers get peeled back you'll start seeing that shit pop out right yeah you know this is this is the the, again the homophobia is tied in the the fear of birth control is tied in this is all that same shit right it's all in the same umbrella it's mm-hmm. all the same Christian fundamentalism. And people can draw arbitrary lines somewhere in the middle of it. You know, oh, maybe I'm pro-choice, but only in the first trimester. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm pro-life, but I'm not a, I'm, I'm not anti-birth control or I'm, I'm, I'm pro-life and anti-birth control, but I'm not a creation. It's all the same fucking thing. OK, you're drawing arbitrary lines to convince yourself that you're the good guy or you picked a nuanced thing in the middle. It's all the same fucking umbrella and all of it empowers each other. Right. It's all the same same fight. It's the same group behind it. It's the same goddamn thing. Yeah. OK. Uh, um, important distinction I want to point out. We said Sri Lanka is on fire. Um
0: not on like a uh, like a, a climate change kind of way, more on a like right. their protest instead of standing very nicely outside the uh, Supreme Court
1: justices' houses. They've been burning down their politicians' houses. Yes, um, and in first blush, it was like whoa because you know, I mean, you never know, right? That's exactly what revolutionaries should do, and you shouldn't like see anything revolutionary go immediately false flag. And some of these things are kind of. Ambiguous, right? Like Kazakhstan, we thought, oh, this looks like something revolutionary, but it's really kind of scary with, with you know, next to uh, getting in, involved as a media outlet and it being between Russia and China and the whole CTSO stuff. Um this one again immediately beginning it's like oh you know this could be really important definitely people think they're short on food and that's not a great government but also this is what happened in Bolivia no i mean it's getting to be pretty clearly these are people and they're they're fighting back cuz they're starving they don't have food this is a real legitimate thing in Sri Lanka um as far as burning from climate change you know that's that's india right now just to that's just to put things further in in the good news category yeah um yeah. So, I mean, climate change is happening. Again, you know, this shit is – is the wheels are turning, right? History doesn't wait on things. History doesn't wait on people to, to learn and think and do better and learn their lessons. And you're not going to appeal to the people in power. They don't care, right? They see Sri Lanka being literally lit on fire. They see India being burned by climate change. They see the baby shortage formula. And they're like, hmm, how can we get weapons to Ukraine? How can mm-hmm. we – how many things can we stack on this Roe v. Wade being rolled back to get all our policies we've been fighting for for decades? How do we cut any funding left for COVID? They see the COVID cases climbing, and how do we make sure we don't fund people for testing and things again? And of course, you know, they're talking about funding for testing, not for people to stay home and, and stipends. No,
0: again. no, no, no. Right?
1: No no no. no, no, no. They're even talking about funding for testing, and they can't even do that. They can't fucking do that. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, I can't <sighs> – It's just – it's these fucking – you're not going to appeal to them. They're not going to change their mind. Okay? No. In fact, when you take the power back, they're still going to try to kill you and take their own power back and then continue down these policies. They don't give a shit about human extinction because they're the last humans to die. And as long as they're a little more comfortable before that death, they don't care how many of you die. As long as they're the last ones to die and they're comfy for now, that's all they give a fuck about.
0: That's it. it. Seems to be. I, I can't find any other logic in it because
1: the, the policies – the There is no other logic in it. This this yes. is politics, right? Again, politics are who lives, who dies, how well they live, and who has the power. That's it. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. That's what it's always been. That's not the first time we've said that because it's the obvious correct stance. It's the materialist stance that you get as a Marxist right and all of the marxism piles on top of that based on evidence based on historical materialism based on you know the political relations and the economies as they are now but all of that is secondary it's piled onto politics are who lives who dies who has power and how the people who get to live get to live as far as quality of life that's it done and, and that is as good a transition.
0: That is as good a transition into our reading this week as I can think of. Uh, so we will be very seamlessly switching gears here and moving on to page sixty of Blood in My Eye. If the life of the manufacturing city is to be stopped, it is clear that the normal processes at least will be slowed by a convoy of establishment trucks, tanks, or troops simply moving in the city's arteries where commercial convoys should be moving. The necessary checkpoints will further slow it. Each one of the opposition's own tank shells that is fired inside the manufacturing city at the elusive guerrilla will destroy some aspect of that factory city and undercut the ability of the establishment to produce another tank shell. It will not help the fascist cause very much at all when the armored personnel carrier or jeep patrol equipped with a 30 caliber machine gun fires into a downtown shopping crowd at the elusive guerrilla who has taken refuge among them. The people just will not understand. The cities of Fascist USA, built straight up with very little real planning or pattern, the twisting side streets, gangways, connecting roofs, manholes, storm drains, concrete and steel trees, will hide a guerrilla army just as effectively as any forest. There is an added advantage that the being just being in an area doesn't automatically make one suspect in fair game, as is the case when an establishment army unit spots a gathering, no matter how innocent, in an area where guerrilla movements have been reported in the countryside. Just high, Just being out there defines them. The fact that the gorilla can hide himself very easily inside large population centers does not mean that hard work needn't be done toward the winning of the popular support. It simply means that a failure to gain full support for violent confrontation doesn't preclude violent confrontation. If all the elements exist that have made guerrilla warfare in its classical style an invincible weapon against mechanized, industrially-based armies in in undeveloped areas, they will be even more successful in built-up urban American conditions." The facts that make it impossible for the establishment army to overcome the attacking guerrilla army in spite of the availability of the knowledge contained in the masterworks on guerrilla strategy becomes clear when we realize that after the strategy is understanding understood by the guerrilla chief, the tactics applicable to his particular military problem are a product of his imagination alone. A constant creative improvising. Also working against the establishment's general staff is its own mentality. They've convinced themselves or have been convinced by their experience at war with other mechanized armies that having the most at the right time wins war. In other words, they feel that winning wars depends mainly on gadgets and they presume that they can dictate the terms and grounds upon which each battle takes place.
1: I, lo- I would like to amend yeah, yeah. this to because, again... This is later than when George Jackson wrote this, so a bit of a nugget kind of tacked onto that that we've learned since. You know, Just like with Vietnam, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like with Iraq, just like with Afghanistan, winning and losing doesn't matter to them because they're used to always winning. If they go into a country, they destroy it, and they pillage it, they could have lost their ass. We could go, look how costly this is. Look how embarrassing this loss is. It's still winning to them. When you get into urban guerrilla warfare for their own territory, that doesn't exist. But they're definitely used to that attitude. So it's going to be very hard for them to switch gears and actually need victory.
0: Yeah. In other words, they feel that winning wars depends mainly on gadgets and they presume that they can dictate the terms and grounds upon which each battle takes place. They're locked in on a fixed set of systematized ideas that conflict completely with the realities of people's war. Their egos simply will never allow them to admit that all the ingenuity has gone that has gone into the development of the Blitzkrieg has been wasted. A $100,000 tank can be destroyed with $2 worth of materials. A jet is useless against the rifleman, And it also can be destroyed with one well-placed burst from an assault rifle or destroyed on the ground by mortar from miles away. Then, too, the pilot, years in the making, can be killed with a knife. The copter, as a fighting machine, is the most stupid of all the costly gadgets. It can be heard from miles away. It can't be armored. A 10-cent bullet can render it useless. All of these contraptions require liquid fuels that will stop flowing when the production of all of the other commodities stop. Fighting really depends upon the people and a small, easily machined, portable weapons. Another factor that works to the advantage of the guerrilla army is time. The establishment forces cannot survive the prolonged unrest that is steadily building. Profits fall, the point of diminishing returns is eventually reached, and from there, the establishment's force and energy goes into its last stages of life. While our new revolutionary culture is building, musical chairs, where each go around, exclude some element of their, of their control factors.
1: The yeah, it, that's yeah. that's an important statement because when you think about revolution, right? People think about defeat, defeat, defeat and they very rightly understand that the forces of reaction aren't just going to take it lying down. I think that's even been said earlier in this book, but we we can still we should know that, right? They're not going to be like, "Oh, well, you know, you won that battle here, here's your power. Have fun." Mm-hmm. Right? They're going to they're they're going to fight tooth and nail, right? Just because they're going to fight tooth and nail and you need to take that seriously and fight, you know, I mean, fight like your life depends on it, like they're going to react, like they're not going to be very nice if they do win. Um, That doesn't mean that there isn't a breaking point somewhere between, you know, this idealized revolution where they break way earlier than they ever will and absolute liquidation. At some point, they are going to give up because at some point, it isn't worth them to them anymore, right? Mm -hmm. They do this all for profit. They do this all for comfort. They do this all to make sure they're the last ones to die. Like we just said, when humans start dying, if they're not the last ones to die, if they're not profitable, if they're not comfortable, there's not going to be like, oh, we're losing our profit, we give up. Right. It's not that mm-hmm. simple. You know, we've talked about that with monopoly capitalism. You know, there's, there's companies where you're like, what? Well, they're not making any money, but they're sinking their competition around them. Monopoly works differently. This is for a monopoly on power. It's as much about sinking your power as it is for gaining theirs. So they're not going to be like, Oh, we lost profits and give up. But there's going to be a point where the profits aren't worth it. They're not gaining anything. They're not tamping you down or lifting themselves up. And there's no pathway for them to do so.
0: Exactly. The objective, I repeat, of the destruction of a city-based industrial establishment and its protective forces, forces is to create perfect disorder, to disrupt all of their interacting processes that allow them to produce and distribute goods. And this can be done from within the process much more easily than from without. Really, there is no possibility of an established government ever overcoming a determined internal enemy. By their very nature, the holder or owner and, this guard and his guard are exposed and vulnerable. A comparison between their mode of existence and that of the people's vanguard elements employing all the subtle scientific principles of urban guerrilla warfare will demonstrate clearly where the real power lies. Top-heavy establishment organizations that exist openly are always a reflection of the men who staff them. Of primary interest to the guerrilla are the bureaucratic institutions that serve to protect the right of the wrongdoers to do their wrong the local and federal pig establishments the complexities of the class structure have shifted somewhat since the time of marx and lenin presently within the working class there exists an ultra right section at the bottom of this structure which feels that all of its demands on life can be met by the existing order that that is very very accurate and very very true <laughs> holy well, cow yeah, and it-
1: and again, George Jackson is speaking as a black man in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't even necessarily have to be you know, universally true or true as a development in time. It could be unique to um, the United States' colonial history. It could be a development over time. It could be both. It doesn't matter. That's an observation George Jackson saw and applied here. And it's important for us to understand that. That's why we're reading books by revolutionaries who were right here at home.
0: In fact, the working class of the USA 1971 can be realistically divided into two mutually exclusive and conflicting sections, one right-oriented and conservative, the other left-to-neutral. One explanation for this phenomenon is the loss over the years to fascist nationalistic propaganda and state-controlled unions of a clear-cut class consciousness. In effect, effect, it can be said that this right-wing-oriented sector of the working class is a new class, a new pig class. In their ranks, we find a factory or construction worker, the ubiquitous civil service employee, the retired military career man, the man who sells used autos or insurance, the stock clerk or longshoreman about to be replaced by a machine All of these individuals are not clearly in the new pig class. Some only just have one foot in the grave. As yet, they only have pig tendencies and can
1: still be redeemed.
0: Outright pigs must either be neutralized or destroyed. Parentheses, killed. Thank you for the clarification. I didn't
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wasn't really sure what destroyed meant yeah. there, George. There's,
0: there's a little gray and destroy. Oh, oh, you oh you mean kill him. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, yeah. from the new pig class, a section of the working class whose demands are small and are being slowly met by the capitalist matters. Masters. The government draws its greatest support. <clears throat> Oh, from the new pig class, the government draws its greatest support. That was a big parenthesis yeah, in there, George. And that's
1: absolutely true, right? I mean, this this was true long before 2016, but people have now noticed it since 2016. You know, overwhelmingly, right? Right wingers are not only wealthy, but they're specifically wealthy to their location. So, usually, you know, being wealthier. But being like middle of the road where you are because you're in an urban area makes you less likely to be out and out, fascistically reactionary Trump supportery than being, you know, a little poorer, but being closer to the top of the food chain, maybe a small business owner or a farm owner in a suburban or sub rural area. But we certainly see. All kinds of people, and they're, they're, you know, quote unquote middle class or, or, of course, working class people who were Trump supporters who long before Trump were flying Confederate flags who are, are happy to, you know, support the cops and, and shit like that. And they can be anywhere from naive people that just say they're saying the right thing, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do community service. I, I know I was, I was real bad for my drug addiction and, and, and President saved me or, or whatever, right? And it's like, dude, that, you know, no, the person failed you and you're doing a good job doing community stuff. Um, you know, or it's it's again, you know, the the polite um you know, respectable school board member and or PTO member at, 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 school or, or, you know, neighbor or, or, you know, whatever, right? And they're all buddy buddies with the cops and things like that. They're, they're this quote unquote middle class working class reactionaries. We know them and, and they wear the, the stamps proudly, right? They'll, they'll wear the, the, um, let's go Brandon shit like that. And, and they'll, they'll put their little Biden stickers. I did that's everywhere. They, they mark themselves. Mm hmm.
0: The forces of counter-revolution make themselves felt on the street level through this new class. While above this class, in the loosely defined petit bourgeois level, and upper middle class professionals and students, we can find some very real revolutionary consciousness. There are explanations for this complex, inverted stratification of revolutionary potential. The history of the USA and its immigrants, the emphasis placed on subversion of the workers' movement, the unions, by the ruling class and the apparent, not real, stabilizing of the economy with fascist Keynesian controls and redoubled imperialist expansion. All can be carefully treated to explain the present confusion and contradictions in the class struggle. But most of this I leave to Comrade Newton, who has handled it well so far. There is. This is a comment on what to do with what we have and what we have are realistically faced with.
1: David, yes. do you want so, to read? Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Yes, I, I'll take over. But uh, I'm going to trust George here when he says, listen to Huey. Yeah. Listen to Huey. Listen to Huey. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, the top-heavy bureaucratic agencies that exist with quasi-social sanction, and in particular the ones that are given over to the maintenance of law and order, draw their principal personnel from the pig class and consequently are an expression of that class's mentality, a stagnant, even atavistic mentality that is completely dependent on regimen and rote to perform the simplest functions. First of all, the opposition is stupid. However, let me qualify the statement with the observation that they make up for what they lack in brains with sheer brutality. As a result, their original drawback, stupidity, they have expanded to massive proportions and tied themselves irrevocably to a technology based on massive and equally faulty machines to the point now that it is impossible for them to ever hide any of their movements, to move with any real speed, or to change themselves in response to any change in our attack. The very nature of their apparatus, its supposed legality, and its size – Tends to weaken it. Their growing demand for personnel leaves them helpless to stop us from infiltrating them. Again, you know they they don't have power in numbers. We do. They have power in "quote unquote" legitimacy and their wealth and their monopoly on violence. Um, so when they feel like their monopoly on violence is threatened, they try to make up for it with numbers. Well. Their intimidation, their prestige—they basically have to be public. Their validity comes from being public, um, and their growth in numbers—that all makes them very visible. It puts a big target on their back. Is is basically what George is saying here. Yep. Their cybernetics cannot overcome the fact that men, especially with the pig class, are cycli- are cyclic. They think, function, and live in cycles. This is more to their detriment than ours. Their science of control turns upon them to weaken and wreck their own institutions. Again, adaptation, right? It's not mm-hmm. good to be poor. You don't learn to survive better from being poor, but there's a certain way where you learn to make do with the supplies you have. Wealthy people have a lot easier time getting supplies, but like you rip away all the the convenience that they're used to, all the comforts that they're used to. You know, I mean, there's older people like this generation now, if you take away their cell phones, they never survive. But think about that honestly with wealth, right? Mm-hmm. You take away being able to just go go sit down and eat. I mean, look how Look how they melted down about fucking haircuts in restaurants during the initial COVID yep. when there was kind of a half-assed effort to actually shut down. Yep. Right? They don't know what to do. Yeah. And um, they, they really, really don't. Mm-hmm. How can a massive department or bureau or regiment with hundreds of personnel ever coordinate any activity without the strict regimentation, without a massive meeting place to familiarize themselves with procedures, without badges or uniforms to identify each other, without assist, again, being big? How do they make sure they're not shooting each other? How many times have cops shot other undercover cops? <laughs> what happens if they have to be all the more undercover, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, without systematized patterns of thought and behavior, without dependence on clear-cut orders. Simple pig types can only learn to function by rote and in cycles. Procedure must be drilled into them and only seldom, if ever, changed. It is quite easy for a pig to perform a particular function. It is not so easy to vary, especially when there are great numbers of the same types of individuals involved. I will reiterate, though, they do make up for this with brutality, as he said earlier. Uh, what would be the result if each pig were given a different job each day in a different area, or if he had to vary his code every week or think for himself just one eight-hour shift? Chaos. If it weren't for the sergeant or lieutenant and a routine, when the average pig ran out of gas, his car would have to be pushed out of the street by citizenry. When his bullets ran out, he would have only a club until he could check it with a captain. Cyclic men equipped with only a few learned responses can be watched watched clocked, photographed, and anticipated. Their code isn't really a code at all. They are finished. A pig is a fool. They have numbers over the small vanguard element and the social license to kill. But once we decide on the proper action, we will find that our enemies are vulnerable. For the soldiers of the people, the guerrillas, though they also must operate with the tightest structure and in complete harmony with their political branch, cycles are not a factor in their operations. The subtleties and fundamentals of urban guerrilla warfare can be broken down in their simplest terms this way. First subtlety, mobility. Only the light, portable, easily machined, or easily stolen weapons are employed by the gorilla under normal circumstances. On rare occasions, he may hire or commandeer a piece of heavy equipment for an isolated special purpose, which fits in the improvised, ext- ext- extemporaneous... extemporaneous. Thank you. Nature of this form of combat, like Jonathan's flamethrower. The flamethrower
0: um, and the Nixon rocket launcher.
1: And the Nixon rocket launcher. Anti-Nixon rocket launcher.
0: Anti-Nixon um, rocket launcher, you're right.
1: Uh, the bomb in all its various forms, banglore, mortar, satchel charge, hand grenade, the anti-tank rocket launcher, the sniper's rifle, the light machine gun, the silenced pistol, Nathan... The flamethrower! The flamethrower, the poison dart, the poison bullet, the crossbow, the knife, the fist, all form the guerrilla arsenal. Provision must be made to move men and equipment in spite of the condition of today's streets and roads in the cities. That means making use of new four-wheel drive civilian-type Jeeps. This is a little dated. Um, <laughs> station wagons. Oh, this is really dated. And motorcycles.
0: <laughs> load, up this, load up this wagon, up,
1: boys. Get, them, up, get the wood
0: paneling on the side. Put the flamethrower in the back let's go right
1: right are we are we gonna get ourselves a buick station wagon or a chrysler Uh. (laughs) (laughs) wood wood panel baby is pontiac
0: Um, still making station (laughs) wagons i don't know
1: god damn uh the bicycle will regain popularity heavy vehicles the jeeps trucks vans all ordinary looking family and commercial looking vehicles but armored with either plastic or steel can be rented or commandeered All dwellings should be rented and expandable. They should be equipped so that when forced to leave by tunnel or other hidden exits, the place can be burned to create further confusion for the attacker and destroy evidence. Food and clothing should be purposely simple. Clothing must always be available for disguises, although part of the gorilla's function is to hijack and commandeer food in non-perishable form from the enemy cultures and stockpiles. He should also learn to identify the food plants that grow wild all over the country, even in backyards and vacant lots. He should also learn to want less. And, of course, when he's talking about clothes, too, he's talking about clothes being stockpiled, but there's only so much stockpile you can have, right? If you don't have the clothes and you obtain it right before... For action and get rid of it after that's a little better to get rid of evidence obviously right
0: yeah um, next up is next infiltration up. Right now, we can be placing our soldiers inside the various police and military and prison staffs. Our more gifted and better educated comrades could end up in the intelligence units of the army and police. Our major source of weapons should come from our own men placed in the military under seemingly ordinary circumstances. This is our enemy's greatest weakness. Any establishment's greatest weakness is the need for personnel to resist the people. This lays them open to infiltration. The guerrilla army that operates within the city is necessarily small, so we stop infiltration by being very selective and conducting thorough and murderous tests and making full use of the principles underlying departmentalization. The ambush. The only form of attack employed by the guerrilla forces is the ambush, the surprise attack. There must never be any front lines or defending of territory. The only engagements that are carried to completion are the ones that we are winning after an initial attack. If the enemy regains himself and counterattacks, we disengage and simply go home to await the next opportunity when we can catch him asleep with his
1: women moving in convoys on the toilet. I almost wonder again, with the time this is published and the obvious, um, background of George Jackson and um, we we brought up a couple times the Watch Rebellion in, in 67 I think mm-hmm. I wonder if that's like a direct um, learning from the Watch Rebellion right like when he says we, we're we not defending a territory
0: mm-hmm. no that would make like, sense that would actually contextualize yeah, like what, what like
1: that yeah what lesson would we have learned that that mm-hmm. would probably be the place where they, they learned that right
0: that would make that would make perfect sense camouflage Nothing ever appears outwardly as it is. The armor sheets of plastic or steel is fixed inside the vans and trucks in such a way to make them appear normal when viewed from without the military safe house with tunnels leading in all directions and connecting with other houses, a storm drain, a manhole with bulletproof and airtight plexiglass window, encasements inside the house, camouflage with heavy curtains, rooms with doors that are really booby traps that work from the inside must be made to look like any other house along the block. We must dress and equip ourselves with weaponry that'll allow us to move even in units of a dozen, or more without appearing to be anything other than the private citizens pursuing their private interests. We will make use of all forms of disguise. Mailman, postman, telephone repairman, priest, nun. Okay, nun's funny. Nun's funny and I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, I'm not 100% sure why nun nun got me because priest was right there. Uh, But I'm imagining nun with a gun or more aptly nun with the flamethrower and... uh, (laughs) Nun with
1: Jonathan's flamethrower.
0: Nun with Jonathan's flamethrower and it's really doing things for me. Uh, National Guardsman. This principle will soon have them shooting at each other or turning the innocents against them. The result? Perfect disorder. Autonomous infrastructure. If it is our eventual goal to wear away the establishment's ability to produce and distribute goods, defeat its war machine, or organize any sort of social activity, then of course we must, at the same time, provide ourselves with the means of performing these functions on at least a subsistence level. Both the military and the political arms of the liberation movement must think of provisioning their vanguard and elements and the people during the dark days when we stop the machine military supplies are stockpiled in advance with food staples depression days foraging and war years liberation gardens must be reintroduced and refined the military must depend on the people for food it must also prepare to feed the people from the enemy supplies Then you have a very healthy, spontaneous mass looting. Perfect disorder. At some point in the development of the overall revolutionary culture, it will have to become totally independent of the old enemy culture in keeping with Shay's theory of molding the new society around the struggle against the old. We will start from the beginning to build our own infrastructure in every possible area. People's stores, hospitals, banks, buses, army. This dual power, this building of political infrastructure in the military is succinctly stated by Minister of Defense of the Black Panther Party, Huey P. Newton. We recognize that in order to bring the people to the level of consciousness where they would seize the time, it would be necessary to serve their interests in survival by developing programs which would help them to meet their daily needs. For a long time, we have had such programs, not only for survival, but for organizational purposes. Now we not only have a breakfast program for school children, we have clothing programs, we have health clinics, which provide free medical and dental services. We have programs for prisoners and their families, and we we are opening clothing and shoe factories to provide for more of the needs of the community." Most recently, we have begun a a testing and research program on sickle cell anemia, and we know that 98% of the victims of this disease are black. I had no idea they had a testing and research program on sickle cell anemia in the Panthers. Holy shit. Yeah. To fail to combat... They they
1: organized hard. Huh? They organized hard. I don't think people realize um, how close the United States was to revolution and how destructive COINTELPRO was. I mean, the Black Panther Party was, they were going to other countries as ambassadors representing themselves. Yeah. Right? Like, there's very much, there's the precipice of dual power.
0: Yeah. It was, it's incredible. And it's a great, a great model and that's why we read these works is to, to remember these things existed and, and can be recreated and refined and even 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 more effectively implemented yeah. for, for our current situation.
1: Yeah, we we build on on past revolutionaries, right? We learn their lessons. That means reproducing their successes and learning from their failings. Exactly. Right? That also means uh, not just assuming that it was the the wrong time or the wrong thing. People make conditions, but also people make conditions within their material conditions. So you shouldn't just bang your head on a wall five times and assume it won't hurt the sixth but by the same token if times and conditions change and what they did would cause you know said revolution now and you can reproduce it why the fuck wouldn't you reproduce it so we should look to them as examples as inspirations we should learn from them positively and negatively all the lessons we can and we should do it our own way we should produce our own thing but we should produce their own thing somewhat in their image much like you know um the in the russian revolution again we turn back to that one all the time right they made their own thing they made their own soviets based on on their own history and they learned the lessons of the paris commune but they also modeled their democratic structure um and and the way to seize the power and the people's will off the paris commune right Exactly. So, so we we do that, right? We should be doing that with black panthers. We shouldn't fetishize them or try to reproduce them exactly, but we should also definitely try to reproduce their successes for sure. To fail to combat this disease,
0: talking about sickle cell again, is to submit mm-hmm. to genocide. To battle it is survival. Man, I wish we had a similar view about other diseases that are running rampant in mean, this country that'd be
1: great i i was gonna say you know you want to talk about that they, i mean we went through the aids epidemic uh in the 80s and 90s and again it was it was you know organizing and communist and left-leaning organizing um that that basically toppled that and we're dealing with covid right now yep. right i mean there's always a disease that's that's taking these on and they always affect the marginalized communities the most exactly okay
0: all these programs satisfy the deep needs of the community but they are not solutions to our problems that is why we call them survival programs meaning survival pending revolution we say that the survival program of the black panther party is like the survival kit of a sailor stranded on a raft it helps him to sustain himself until he can get completely out of that situation so the survival programs are not answers or solutions but they will help us to organize the community around a true analysis of the understanding of the situation of their situation when consciousness and and understanding is raised to a high level, then the community will seize the time and deliver themselves from the boot of their oppressors. And that yes, is from Huey P. Newton, Black Capitalism Reanalyzed.
1: Yes, and we've said this time and time again, right? You should already be compelled to do these things. You need to survive. And again, victory one for one is victory for all. Harm to one is, is harm to all. You should want for for these communities, these people around you, um, for for empathy, for uh, revolutionary fervor, just because you care to survive and and have a better chance at living. And so you should be driven to do these things anyway. But these things are not a long-term solution, right? Reforms are not revolution. Uh, small community organizations are not revolution. They're a stepping stone. But the stepping stone serves three purposes. Your initial drive to support people and help them survive or help yourself survive, of course, is going to be accomplished, uh, even if it's not a good long – long-term structure because the forces of reaction are coming down to it and it has its limitations, but you're also going to build revolutionary consciousness and gain people's trust so that you could say, Hey, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're in this situation where we have to do this. This is how we fix it. And guess what? People are going to listen a hell of a lot more when you're doing that. Um, and on, on top of that, the third reason is it kind of gives you a dry run, a, a structure to build off of, you know, again, back to the, the, There's so many other good examples. I hate to overuse this one, but it's such a simple example because people, at least of the communists, tend to understand it, right? With the Soviets, the Soviets had existed since 1905, but they didn't have any real power. The The powerless Soviets were not just like a magical fix to to the people having their power. So many other things can happen, but it gave them kind of a practice structure to how do we have a real democracy and people's power, right? When you make these alternatives, these dual sets of power, these dual – infrastructures, now you have a base infrastructure to jump off of and to mold around and to use as you build your own infrastructure so people don't starve and, and mire in suffering the second you topple the people you're fighting against. Um, and you can build your own structures afterward. This is why again, I'm not going to get deep into Sedan, but if we go, if we, since we brought up Sedan earlier <laughs> all in the episode. Alright,
0: right. The, the this 2 is minutes Sedan recap...
1: This is why – no, I'm not doing a two-minute Sudan recap. I'm doing one comment. This is why the 71 Sudan coup, as ideologically strong as it was, failed, right? Because it had not – it was done as another coup, another supposedly socialist coup right behind the socialist pan-Arabic coup of 69, which was already nationalizing things and helping people out anyway. And it hadn't built the people's power. It didn't have an infrastructure behind it. It was just – we'll just – take take this and seize it as a coup, right? If you don't have these power structures to back you, you don't have real power, right? If I went out and, and communistly won the presidential election tomorrow, but my entire military and police were reactionary and I don't have anything behind it to replace it with, I'm fucked. Yeah. I'm done. I'm cooked, you know? Exactly. Right? I mean, you're building your structures to build your revolution off of because revolution is a process and it's a process that doesn't just happen in your head and like you have an idea and magically bang, you know, flash forward like in a movie and all the fields are green, right? You know, <laughs> we've got to have a base to to jump this off of. you've got to defend against counter-revolution from the inside and the outside. You've got to make sure people survive. You've got to know, you know, how to have these economies and things running and you're going to do that. You're going to build that up with these dual power and, and the nucleus of that. All right. These are these community organizations. And like you said, it's, it's, it's like a survival kit on a raft, right? It's not going to be enough that you can run a whole economy off of it from your little community organizing. You're not going to turn around and have like a whole, you know, country's economy in your community organizing. But you have, you know, resource distribution, you have community organizing all built up to jump off of, right? Exactly. And then you can, you know, the state you are rightly destroying, you can incorporate any not fully destroyed. Portion of it without fully rolling back to reaction until you can replace those portions uh, as you push it against your community organization. You have a, a set of power structures so the country doesn't completely collapse and send people into famine. Exactly and that is mm-hmm. as good a place to end it as any this week so we will be
0: stopping on page 71 and picking up at the end of the Huey quote when we next read uh, mm-hmm. that being said uh, this has been Mark's Madness Pod we read books uh, there are a number of different ways that you can reach out to us if you would like to do that The first of which is through email Mark's Madness Pod at gmail.com. next way you can get us is on Twitter we are at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter uh, DMs are open and the link to our discord server is in our twitter bio our discord server is a fun happy community of comrades that i am very happy to be a part of we watch bad tv we play video games uh and and more importantly we're just again a small community of people so we know what's going on with each other support each other and and try and and amplify our successes and and various agitations that we are doing uh that being said david it is time for a disclaimer
1: Yeah, so, um, obviously with this, you know, Nathan had come up to me one day and was like, hey, you've read Capital before. I want to read Capital. You should read theory and history together in a group, um, for a myriad of reasons. Will you read this with me? And I was like, sure. But our group was two. It was pretty small. So we decided to record it, see what the hell happened, because we figured we've got the equipment to to record a podcast. And sure enough, after we got far enough in the book, we thought, yeah, we'll release it. And lo and behold, it grew. And you guys are all here with us. And ever since the beginning, the vision of this is hopefully you guys are out in your parties. You're out in groups. Uh, you're organizing. You're doing community survival efforts and building those nucleuses to dual power and and Dual structures. Um, and hopefully. You know, um, we can be another voice, another source of input uh, to make sure you're getting the most out of the reading in the group. Let's say that's not happening and your group is much more likely reading something shorter, something more applicable to project you're on, and you're reading these works by yourself. Hopefully, we can be that reading group. and We can make sure you get all those benefits, you know, refor- re- uh, reviewing over the work one more time to remember it better, getting all the context behind it, getting the input, what it means to different people and how it can apply to you today, um, and all the other discussion points, things like that. And let's say that doesn't happen, and it's either a book like this where we're reading it word for word with a little more input, kind of like an enhanced ebook, or it's a work we summarize more. Whatever we can do to make these works more accessible to you, because we want these works out there guiding your actions. When you put theory into a revolutionary action, that's a phenomenon called praxis. Praxis, of course, by definition can't exist without theory, and theory without praxis is completely useless. They go hand in hand. They are tied at the hip.
0: Amen. As always, That being said, this has been Mark's Madness Pod. My name is Nathan.
1: My name's David.
0: And we will talk to you all next week. Bye!